Our epistle lesson will also serve as our sermon text this morning from Peter's first letter, chapter 5. Therefore, humble yourselves under God's powerful hand so that he may lift you up at the appointed time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Have sound judgment. Be alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him by being firm in the faith. You know that the same kinds of sufferings are being laid on your brotherhood all over the world. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who called you into his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We pray. Lord, may your words be a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. Amen. I swear to God that I don't know Jesus is what Peter was shouting when he was in the fight for his physical and spiritual life. Nothing was going according to plan. Jesus had been arrested. He was going to die. Now people were around Peter saying, you're his disciple, aren't you? What would happen to him? And so Peter did the one thing you shouldn't do when times are tough. He turned against God. In this fight for his spiritual life, he started to fight God. He swore by God's name that he didn't know Jesus, God's son. It was a difficult trial. It's a strange phenomenon that people who don't believe in Jesus often are also very angry at him or angry at God. Two rules. I don't believe in God. And two, I'm mad at him for all the things that I think he should be doing. But this isn't just something that unbelievers do. Often believers are tempted to feel this way when times are tough. To be angry at God, what is he doing? Peter had been through this. And now he knew people who were about to go through it. And he knew that Christians would go through this temptation throughout their lives and throughout time. And so today... Peter, with these inspired words, tells us, don't fight God. When times are tough, when it's difficult, when you're under attack, fight the right fight. First of all, don't fight God. To whom was Peter writing? Well, a group of Christians in a bunch of different churches, some of the churches that the Apostle Paul had started on his first journey in present-day Turkey. And all of these Christians in different congregations were going through what Peter called a fiery trial. Doesn't sound nice, does it? They were going through persecution, and it happened from spouses. It came from masters. Some of them were slaves. It came from the government that was anti-Christian, and it came from people around them. People would say, stop being like Jesus. Don't live like a Christian. Live like us. 
Come on, give in to these temptations. Do what everybody else is doing. It'll go easier for you. You deserve it. And when these Christians instead decided to suffer for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of doing what was right, well, then they were persecuted. And people mocked them and hurt them and took advantage of them. And so Peter knew this could be a time where they would be tempted to turn against God. And so he gives them an encouragement in verse 6 that maybe surprises you at first. He says this, Humble yourselves under God's powerful hand so that he may lift you up at the appointed time. Life's difficult? Humble yourself, Peter says. He doesn't say, it's okay. He doesn't say, they're there. He says, humble yourself. Because Peter knew that in this moment, the greatest danger to them wasn't the people around them. It was their pride. Pride that would lead them to say, hey, God, what are you doing? I don't think you know what you're doing. You're doing something wrong. Pride that would lead them to say, you know what, I deserve better than this. Pride that would lead them to say, you know what, it's tough, but I can handle it. I can go it alone. It's a temptation for us too. When life's difficult in extraordinary ways, persecution, or in normal ways, just when life's tough at home, or at work, or at school, or with friends, or with people you just met, and you know the things you should do to live a Christian life, to give a good witness to Jesus, but then you know also what might happen if you do that. And when you're trying to live for God and it's still difficult, then that pride can come too. God, what are you doing? I can't figure it out. It doesn't make sense. I deserve better. And we can think of all sorts of ungodly ways to try to lift ourselves up to make things better for us, but in ways that God doesn't want. And so Peter's first encouragement, really, to people going through trouble is humble yourself. In other words, you, you don't think God knows what he's doing? The God who has this powerful hand guarding and guiding every last one of his believers? The God who has promised that I will lift you up at just the right time when it's right. I will do it. Humble yourselves. Even if it means difficulty. Now, Think of a random example. Let's say you've got a job where you don't like your boss. And it's okay to look for a different job then in a God-pleasing way if you can provide for your family and serve God. Awesome. But let's say you're kind of stuck in this job. And this boss is, is mean or incompetent or anti-Christian. You could, in pride, lift yourself up. Trash your boss behind his back. Tell everybody how bad he is or she is. You could do all sorts of things to make yourself feel better. All right, I'll do what she says, but I'm going to do the bare minimum. Or you could humble yourself under God's mighty hand and say, I'm not worried about my boss. My God is the real one in control. He's watching me. He's protecting me. And so I will repay evil with good. 
I will do whatever I can to show respect. I will work hard. I will work within the proper channels to correct him or her if she needs it. I'm going to be a good Christian even if it brings suffering. You humble yourself. This is difficult because, as Peter knows, we all have this pride inside of us that doesn't want to go through difficulty, that doesn't think we should. And Peter knew this firsthand because really that was the whole reason he was in trouble in that courtyard in the first place, wasn't it? Jesus had warned him. Jesus said, I'm going to suffer and die, and all of you are going to fall away. And Peter said, they might, but not me. I will never fall away. It was pride. And then he fell. And Peter tells us, I know from experience, humble yourself. When times are tough, the number one thing to do is not fight God. It's to say, God, I'm sorry for my pride. I need your care. I need your protection. And that's what Peter turns to next. He says something that, well, it's kind of a phrase that you hear every day now. Let go and let God That's pretty good, except he says it in words that we memorized in confirmation class. He says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. When Peter says, humble yourselves, this is the most important part of that. This is connected. Humble yourself. How? By casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You see how humble this is. God is saying, I know you have difficulties. Right? He's not ignoring them. He's not saying, oh, get over it. God is saying, your difficulties are so big that only I can handle them. So cast them on me. God says, I know you have anxieties. Of course you do. You're going through a fiery trial of living in this world. So come to me. Don't fight against me. Throw all of those anxieties on me because I'm strong enough to handle them and I care about those things even more than you do. I care about you so much, I'm going to do something about it. God's the one to go to. This last week, Elmo broke the internet. The Muppet from Sesame Street. What did he do? Well, he took to Twitter or X and he posted... Just checking in, everyone. How's everyone doing? Oh, sweet, innocent three-year-old Elmo. Don't do it. Don't go to the internet and ask how people are doing. Because people started telling Elmo. And a lot of them were jokes, and they were pretty funny. But people cast all their anxieties on Elmo. They started responding, How am I doing, Elmo? I'm in a dark place. Elmo, I just lost my job. Elmo, the world is getting bad. My personal favorite. Elmo, each day the abyss we stare into grows into a unique horror, one that was previously unfathomable. Our inevitable doom, which once accelerated in years or months, now accelerates in hours, even minutes. Oh, And how did Elmo respond? 
what could Elmo do? Elmo said, well, I guess I found out how important it is to ask how people are doing. Um, Elmo loves you. <laughs> Gee, thanks, Elmo. The world is spinning into an infinite abyss, but at least you love me. <laughs> Don't cast all your anxieties on Elmo. He can't handle it. God can. Cast all your anxieties on me, he says. You know, this is the guy in the Old Testament, remember how Joseph was sold into slavery? And then when he tried to be a good slave, he was thrown into prison. For years, his life was horrible. And the whole time, God was with him, with his protecting hand. And he said, just you wait. At just the right time, I'm going to lift you up. And he did. And he brought Joseph. And Joseph, all of a sudden, was in charge of Egypt and saved the world. This is the God you're casting your anxieties on. So don't fight him, Peter says. He's a good one to have on your side. But do fight. Peter tells us who the real enemy is. He knew it firsthand. In that courtyard, his enemy wasn't the people accusing him. It really wasn't the government that was going to kill Jesus. His enemy was the devil. Jesus had warned him. He said, Peter, Satan has asked for you specifically. He is hunting you. He wants to take you down. And Jesus told Peter in the garden, watch and pray. He's coming. And Peter fell. And now Peter passes on the same instructions to us. He said, learn from me. He says, have sound judgment. Be alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Here's your enemy. Fight him, the devil says, or Jesus says. Be alert. Pray. Watch. Because your enemy is the devil. He's like a lion. Do you know how lions hunt? They watch for the weak. They watch for the straggler. They watch for the distracted. And then they pounce. Last October, at a zoo in Utica, New York, a director had to explain why there was a lion attack. And she said there was a moment of distraction. One of the zookeepers had walked past where the lions were and the gate was open, but the zookeeper didn't notice. So she walked past and the lion walked out behind her. She was attacked. She could have lost her life. One moment of distraction. Peter says, the devil is coming for you like this. How does the devil hunt? Well, the Bible gives us all sorts of descriptions. He tries to distract you, and he does it in very sneaky ways, right? The devil gives you thoughts. The devil gives you temptations that sound really good. He can even twist God's word and say, well, God would want you to do that. Oh, God wants, you deserve this. He uses those things to get you further and further away from God, further away from the pack, from your fellow believers to make you straggle. And then in a moment of distraction, when you fall into sin, when you give in, he pounces and he sinks his accusing claws into you and he says, I've got you. See, you know why you're suffering is because God is punishing you 
It's because you messed up. You're in trouble now. You can't go back to God. He doesn't want you anymore. This is your enemy. The devil. Fight against him, Peter says. And you think, oh, great. Fight against the devil. I can't fight against a lion. Which is why Peter goes on to say, fight against the devil, but don't fight alone. In verse 9, he says, resist the devil by being firm in the faith. You know that the same kind of sufferings are being laid on your brotherhood all over the world. Resist him, Peter says. But that's a plural verb there, a plural command. What is he saying? Not you, singular, resist him, but all of you, together, resist him, together, by being firm in the faith. And then he counteracts one of the lies of the devil. He says, you're not the only one going through this. You're not the only one suffering. You're not the only one God has brought through. He says, the same kinds of sufferings are happening to believers all over the world. You're not alone. We're fighting together. And how do we resist? How do we fight? He says, by being firm in the faith. In whom? After you have suffered a little while, Peter says, the God of all grace, who called you into his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you. Oh, faith in him. When life's difficult, when times are tough, when it seems God is against you, when the devil is attacking you, the God of all grace is on your side. He says, I'm with you not because you deserve it, but because I love you with an undeserved love. Oh yes, in your pride you wandered away a little bit, but Jesus forgives you. Jesus who set aside all pride and humbled himself under God's mighty plan, humbled himself even to death on the cross to defeat the devil and be lifted up at the appointed time and to do that for you says the God who called you, the God who called Peter from before time began, the Jesus who called Peter, come follow me, is the same Jesus who after Peter fell called him again and said, Peter, I forgive you. And he restored him and he established him in the faith and he strengthened him with fellow believers and he supported Peter his whole life long to live even to be killed for Jesus. You are not fighting alone. Your God is fighting for you. Your fellow believers are with you. This last week when I was preparing this sermon, I got a text from a member and I said, hey, this is, this is a pretty cool text. Can I use it in my sermon? I'll change your name and everything. And, and Brigida Black-Peters said, no, use my name. So here we are. <laughs> She's in Florida right now, and she said, Pastor, I've had a miracle. She said, for three weeks, I could barely move my arms. I was in so much pain, I couldn't sleep. But daily and nightly, and every time I woke up in the night, I prayed to God, and today I can move. It's a miracle. And she said, God is my rock. And I thought, what a cool example of someone who was in this fight. The devil could get at her, right? You know what it's like, a lot of you. Pain, sickness that lasts for a while. 
and it's just difficult, but she kept going to God in prayer. So I called her to ask if I could use this as an example, and she said, yeah, of course, but you know, since then, I went to the doctor, and I got diagnosed with this, this thing. <laughs> but she said, but God is my rock. And I thought that's the point. Exactly. The point isn't pray to God now because, boom, he's going to answer your prayer exactly the way you want instantly. No, after a little while, Peter says. After a day, after a week, after a month, even if it's your whole life long, that's a little while when it's compared to eternity. After a little while, you're trusting that God will answer your prayer in a way that's best. And instead of listening to the devil's lies, no matter what, you're saying, God is my rock. And the cool thing is, is that Brigitte shared that with me so we could say that together. And now I'm sharing it with you and we're all here. So we're all standing firm in the faith together today. Strengthening each other and celebrating the victory we have from the God of all grace. And we do have victory. We're fighting a fight this side of heaven, but it's the right fight because we know God is on our side. And so that's why we sang in our opening hymn, The Victory is Won. That's why we sang, As your days your strength shall be. God hasn't forgotten you. God will strengthen you until the very end. And so in this fight, down in the trenches, fighting with each other on our side and our God, we sing our victory cry and we say with Peter what he says at the end of this reading. To God be the glory. Yes, even when life is difficult, to God be the glory. Yes, even when the devil attacks us, to God be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And the God of all grace will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you. Amen.